I got problems, John. I got problems, buddy. Um, Amanda's got this friend, and she's not a bad person. She just makes bad decisions. She's an Edna Krabappel, if you will. And she's okay. having some problems in her relationship. And instead of, you know, looking at the problem, she just, like, lashes out at Amanda and goes, well, you know, you and Mark don't have the perfect thing. And we might have our own problems, but I would say we're pretty solid. You know, I, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it yeah. a solid 8.8. 8.9. 8. 8. You know what? A conservative 8.9. But, like, you okay. know, and th- they were going out to dinner and at, they were at Chili's and Amanda had had a margarita or two. And she, you know, just called her bluff. And so she goes to call me. Okay. And I don't know what I was doing when she called. I think I was doing dishes or something stupid. But the point is, is that I missed it. And just the one missed call was enough to like, yeah. And I mean, whatever, she's reasonable, but her, you know, we're going to call her Edna K isn't reasonable. And so she's talking all this good shit. Like you can't even get a hold of your he bitch and you got to wrangle him in. (laughs) Okay. She bought me like, it's a jitterbug phone, John, you know, the phone for old people. It's a, it's a one way line. Yeah. And she said, you know, yeah, I think yeah, you're yeah. overstimulated. You're you're not working. You have too many, you know, you're spending too much time on Spotify and playing Pokemon Go. So here's what we're going to do just until you focus up and get a job. And, you know, you can call me back on, you know, like a human. Well, we'll just do this. So it's basically a one way between her and I. And then, you know, that's it. And I got to say, man, okay. it's just really nice not having the constant influx of, you know, you know, 24-hour media and social media apps and all of it. But then there's a downside, too, in that it's I don't li- get to listen to the Dangle podcast as often as I'd like to. Oh, well, that is an absolute travesty, you know? That's just, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> you know, I was invited to a quinceanera this weekend where that that's all they were playing. Like, some weird hipster DJ dude just decided to show up and, like, start remixing mariachi music and the dang old podcast together so like trust me it it fills that void but not the same way i'm so sorry bud it'll happen (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the dang old podcast everybody yes welcome back to the dang old podcast this here weekly king of the hill podcast where i mark and my good buddy johnny we take two episodes of that beloved adult animation classic, King of the Hill, and we talk about its goods and its bads and its highs and its lows. We see if it still holds up, and then we slap it with our patented rating system. And, um, well, shit, I guess we ought to just get into it, eh? I I say so, yeah. Uh, guys, we're starting this week with episode 227, Lady and Gentrification. Uh, this... Let's see here. This is we're firmly over the hump in season twelve now. Original air date March 9th, two thousand and eight. This is written by Judah and Murray Miller. Um, Mark, mm-hmm. if I may divulge a little bit of uh, of uh, talking out of school here, we were just talking off mic about how we may be unduly mean to the Millers. Why? Why would you say that? What did we recently see from them? Well, so we. I think our problem was we were both grumpy when we watched them and. I don't know, but um, they did four-wave intersection, and you and I were kind of hateful. Um, and then Judah mm. Miller wrote Death Picks Cotton, and we were super mean, which I actually think we're yeah. justified in Death Picks Cotton. But you know what? I am willing to give the Millers another shot because, hey, 
I also went back and I did go back and I listened to our episode Irreconcilable Differences, written by Craig. And we hated Craig so much we don't even call him by his real name. So you know what? We also gave him another chance. <laughs> yep. I'm willing to give the Millers another chance. And then it can't be as bad as Craig. So yeah. It's that's very true. Well, and how poignant that you bring that up because this is an Enrique centered episode. So who knows? Maybe we'll get some uh, some redemption from the Millers this week. All right, our cast of characters include Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Dale and Nancy Gribble, Joseph Gribble, Boomhauer, Bill Dotrieve, Inez, Enrique, uh, Asa, Buck Strickland, Yolanda, Luann Platter, Lucky Kleinschmidt, Kahneman, Supanus, and Pone, and then various random hipsters. There's one titled Hipster Girl here that I had to look up on IMDb. <laughs> Synopsis, Mark. Hank gets to know Enrique's family better, and Peggy unknowingly gentrifies Arlen's Little Mexico. Little Mexico is in quotes here. Her words, not mine, I promise. <laughs> um, I would like to talk a little bit about our guest stars here. Uh, one of them is, he's not real, like, he's a guest star, but not really a guest star. I feel like he's kind of a returning guest star, if you will. Uh, and that is Asa. Our Peggy's annoying uh, person. Did you recognize the voice? Our annoying client. Yeah, who is he? Is it? I had a note about it, and I guess I can just read it now. Um, is it Andy Dick? Is it Tom Green? Is it Owen Wilson? I wasn't sure. Who is it? No, the least annoying. He's less, less annoying than all three of them, but he is pretty annoying most times. Um, but you may know him from such films as Idiocracy. It's our good buddy, Dak Shepard. Oh, <laughs> makes sense now. Yeah, it does. All right, all right. There. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. And then um, I had to look it up because her voice is very distinct. It was very clearly not a member of the King of the Hill voice cast or even secondary voice cast. But Inez was voiced by a lady named Alicia Sixtos. Okay. I think six. I, I'm gonna say Sixtos and not Six Toes. It's S I X T O S. <laughs> Alicia Sixtoes seems really fucked up and mean. Um, she was in, uh, she's like a, a bunch of one-offs and stuff. Like, I think she was working all the way up to 2019. So maybe, who knows, maybe COVID killed her career. If okay. So that sucks ass. Like, that that's a terrible way to, to like, exit Hollywood. Um, but she was in a bunch of episodes of something called East Los High. And apparently, like, I think three or four episodes. I didn't realize that uh, it was like Fox or CBS or somebody. They did a TV series of the movie Training Day. And okay. I'm just like, how how do you water that down enough to put it on TV? Because it's a great movie, but it's a fucked up movie. Hmm. That's, yeah. But yeah, she's in a couple episodes of that. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, And last one here is uh, Hipster Girl, which is, she's just credited as Hipster Girl in here. You brought her up last week. It's This is Chris Elliott's daughter, Abby Elliott. Um. I didn't realize it until I looked up her picture this week, Mark. And that's actually what immediately made me go, oh, I know exactly who this is. But she plays the character Sugar in the Hulu series The Bear. Um, fun fact about Abby Elliott. She is an S- was, is, was, at some point, was an SNL cast member. She's the first really? second generation SNL cast member. Really? Yes. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because her dad was on a season of SNL, which I'm like, yeah, that that tracks. Chris Elliott's funny enough to be on Saturday Night Live. Hmm. Right on. Yeah, but yeah, guys, if you watch The Bear, it's um um, what what main? It's the Bear's sister. 
who gives me a very con- conflicted, weird boner. Um, Mark, A story this week, Hank and Enrique. Uh, I, I put B story here, but it's really A subprime, Omega, Alpha, and uh, uh, Delta all in one. Peggy and the hipsters, they all tie yep. in together. It's it's separate and then equal instead of separate but equal because we're not political here. Mark, give me your notes. <laughs> Crown? <laughs> okay. Um, first note. Fuck. Because I don't know about <laughs> you, but I remembered this one. But I remembered it a so lot I. differently than when I watched it last night. And Okay. I then wrote, you know, ellipsis. I'm not going to mention irreconcilable differences because I'm not going to, because we're in season 12. We've already established we're on borrowed time. I went back and listened to that episode and I bitched about how that totally screws continuity for this one. And I don't care. That was a long time ago in an Arlen far, far away. Yeah. Dale's kind of calling the plot a midsummer is really weird when he's talking about how, you know, they'll kill the olds (laughs) and replace it with children (laughs) was Okay. Right. Um. So Peggy's selling Luann's house? Question mark. Right. That's the one they're selling. It, it it's got to be. It's got to be Luann's house. And we okay. know that. Like, are they? Are they? You know that? Or are they just staying at Lucky's now? I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Again, I I know we're not doing continuity yeah. or anything, but it just I'm like, well, okay. Now hang on. I whatever. I don't care. Right. I just had a birthday. You're about to have a birthday here in a couple of weeks. You reckon you could take down 35 hot dogs before sunset? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I could too. <laughs> like I like it would wreck me inside and I'd have to start early in the fucking morning. But no, if I if I I mean 35 hot dogs over a period of let's see here. Um let's say on average I'm awake for 12 hours of the day, right? Sure. So 35 hot dogs divided by 12, that's three hot dogs well, per hour? Well, no, you get before sunset. So this is November 29th, so you only get like six hours of sunlight. Oh, goddamn, I, the deck is stacked against me. Yeah, you're kind of... Um, honestly, I still think I can. I still think I okay. can. If I kick it hard right at sunset and I, and I down like 10, 10 to 12, like right off the fucking bat... Yeah, no, I could do it. I could totally do it. Oh, mine's 34 for the record. But, yes, I could totally do it. Right, I always, yeah, I always think that you're, I don't know, I always think you're one year older than you are. (laughs) I don't know. This is a Hank fixes everything episode, question mark. It is, right? But it isn't. He just yells at Peggy and she makes it right. Yeah, kind of, sort of. He basically shames her and goes, look at what you fucking did. There you go. You displaced so many people. Okay, okay. And I'm not going to talk about... <laughs> no, it ab- is. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Keep going. I was going to say, and I'm not going to talk about it, but, you know, Enrique talks about, like, I've rented for years and I don't own my house. Hey, I've rented mine for 10, and I'm sure that I've bought this little shitty unit at least a dozen times over by now. Johnny, what are your notes, buddy? <laughs> um, I think that this episode was, was weirdly enough, my introduction to the concept of the quinceanera. Like, I don't think I'd ever heard of one before this episode. Uh, I somehow managed to dodge that bullet living in Colorado where we have a very high Latino and Mexican, like, population. Um, yeah, you're kind of up there by Brighton too. That's kind of, that's weird that you missed that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Broomfield is about as white as, as white can get where I went to school. Um, I, I can very vividly recall that in my entire high school of almost a thousand kids, 
we had three black kids and about a dozen Mexican kids and everyone else was white or Asian. But yeah, like this was, I think it's a, it's a really cool concept. And I love that Bobby calls it out too. Like, what the hell? I like white, <laughs> like white Christian kids don't get shit. Like everybody else gets all these cool parties. They get to celebrate a bunch of cool shit. Even white girls get their sweet 16. But, but Bobby, he's just kind of fucked. Yeah. But, yeah. I agree a hundred percent. We don't, we really do get shafted on that one. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's just like, I don't know what the historical like merit is behind it. If, if the people like a lot, a lot of us in America that are white have European ancestry and roots. Right. And there's just not a lot of stuff for coming of age. Cause you do it all when you're fucking born. Right. Peggy's like, Oh yeah, your, uh, your baptism was something to behold. And he's like, yeah, so I've heard. Mm-hmm. Cause we all do that. Like all those really big things. Um, I guess if Bobby was, Catholic, like if the hills were Catholic, they could have done a confirmation. They could have done a first communion. They could have done, um, I don't know, like all sorts of shit. That's a definitely a little bit older, and he would have remembered it. And you can kind of party about it, but but they're not. They're Methodist. Methodist. Um, are they Methodist? <laughs> yeah, it's a rejection of Calvinism. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know they're not Lutherans. Um. <laughs> Damn Lutherans. Okay, sorry, Quintanilla. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, I get a I get a moment here where I really, I would have happily taken out whiny hipster bullshit that already fucking annoys me, and had spent an extra like twenty to thirty seconds of Peggy trying to teach Hank useful phrases in Spanish. Like it was right there. We didn't have to have her show up, and I, I get that that's a vehicle for things, but it could have been like. Well, Hank forgot the Spanish he learned or he immediately tried it and actually got what you said right or like accidentally fucked it up and said it the wrong way, but it's the right way because Peggy only knows wrong Spanish. Um, And now he needs Peggy to come bail him out because he can't speak Spanish all that well. So I don't know. Like, I feel like we got robbed of a moment here where Peggy could be teaching Hank bad Spanish and I would have rather substituted that for some of the hipster stuff we saw. Counterpoint, we need to establish why the hipsters are the greatest villain. It's, it's very true. Fucking hipster. We'll get there in cons, man. I My cons are, you're just going to like I just got back from, from two mountain towns in Colorado. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you're going to be titillated when you hear me just go off on hipsters here in a little bit. Um, I think this might be the first time someone at Strickland picks Hank over Buck for something. You know, everybody always picks Buck to, to like, like, I love that, that Enrique likes Hank well enough to go, no, I want you to do this. I specifically asked you over Buck because I, I think of you as my boss, not Buck. Like, I think of you as the relatable one here. Um, and to me, it's, it's, it's kind of like a watershed moment for Hank because he is the assistant manager, but a lot of people know Buck doesn't do Jack diddly squat at Strickland and that Mm -hmm. Hank really is the boss. And this is kind of validation for him. So I like that. Um, Okay. When Peggy says in her busted ass Spanish, uh, when she says sus osos son como placas, meaning your bears are like plates. Uh-huh. Uh, her actual intention was likely the sentence sus hoyos son como platas, meaning your eyes are like silver. That's what the wiki said that she was likely trying to say. Yeah, it's probably it. Or just like your eyes are as big as plates. 
Like you got big. Pr- <laughs> well, you've no got big, Peggy. pretty eyes. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Being a Peggy so, level Spanish I, I thought speaker that was myself. Really cool. Yeah. I was gonna say I. I can't speak shit for Spanish, and I was glad that somebody on the wiki picked up on that because I was like, I want to know what she was probably trying to say. So we're mm-hmm. gonna go with that. Um, which which is what is the better animated stereotype of a hipster, Mark? The girl uh, with the leather jacket on the moped and the like wavy hair, or pink mohawk guy? Pink mohawk guy. <laughs> Fuck you, man! I had a pink mohawk once, but yes, you're right. Yeah, but you okay? It really, but yours only was one an right actual mohawk, that. not like a dumb little deflated rooster comb. You know, like it's true. Mine was nine inches tall. Johnny, you were a fucking punk. Like it was awesome. You you had fucking cred. Like you know, I was a punk. I I am a punk. I I don't know. You have a lot of responsibility and rules now, but sure, okay, agree to disagree. (laughs) Yes, I I can. I can still be anti-establishment while uh, helping people. It's cool. Um, Mark, last one here. You know what's super punk? Last one. Self care. fucking punk rockers know you always take care of yourself you take that time out go write in your journal bros um mark last one here and sure you know what qrs smiley qrs smiley face is a reference to i know what this is a weird pull okay uh so qrs is radio slang um and the fact that somebody is sending peggy QRS with a smiley face means that they are making a joke on her because it's radio slang for please go slower. So QRS is what you used to say to somebody who is talking too quickly or tapping too quickly on the Morse code and you needed them to slow the fuck down so you could understand what they're saying. Peggy cannot text. You see her hunting and pecking like a goddamn chicken on her phone. So somebody saying QRS smiley face is very much making fun of her ineptitude. <laughs> okay thank you google it's a weird like in joke and now guys those of you that that are out there listening to this you now have your aragorn kicking the fucking helmet moment every time you watch this episode you can go look at this qrs joke did you actually know that this is radio slang like you you got that moment you're welcome now you're gonna be that guy it's pretty cool, though. Like, this, so right there, by our definitions, makes this a good episode of King of the Hill, because it made you go and learn a thing. Yeah. And that's what Mike Judge wants. It, it really did. It really did. It's what everybody really should be looking for in TV, right? We want to oh, find yeah. out what we can actually glean from this episode. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Those we were watching The Fucking Office, right? And it was the Dwali episode. Okay. And I didn't, and Amanda asks me like, so wait, what really is Dwali? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Why would I know that? And she goes, well, you know a lot of shit. <laughs> so then I spent the next 20 minutes okay. researching Dwali. Like, <laughs> it's good TV makes you think is my point. It's true. It also has taught me the difference between a samosa and a s'more. There you go. Like, you see little things. It also taught yeah. me like what DNA stands for. <laughs> oh. uh, Mark, give me your pros, buddy. Yeah, sorry, I totally cut you off there. Um, you're good. You're good. Uh, it's Hank. Uh, um, kind of on the spot. That was good. <laughs> when Enrique like, is shaking Enrique him down, corners his ass, knowing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of on the spot. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, it's Bobby talking to Hank about how you talk to girls, 
And he goes, ask her about the popular <laughs> girls. Your problem will be getting her to shut up. <laughs> That's great. I I love that he says it and that it works. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, Pro, horchata. It's great. Go get some, kids. It's amazing. Oh, get out of my pros. <laughs> John, how bad do you miss horchata living in Germany? Fuck you, dude. Oh, so much. So much. <laughs> Guys, I, I'm going to I'm just going to jump into my line on horchata here in my pros and read it to you. Horchata is the nectar of the fucking gods. It is perfect to eat with every Mexican meal. Mm-hmm. Every Mexican meal should either have horchata or beer. That's it. That's all you need for everything. You don't need tequila. You don't need weird lime foofy drinks or chata or beer. If it doesn't work with those, it's not a good Mexican meal. I'm telling you right now. Por que no los dos? Horchata <sighs> and beer. Uh, you can have them both, but then you get then you risk that weird, like, I'm going to get alcoholy and, and curdly in my stomach with all of the, like, beautiful cinnamon milkiness the patron drink of the two wizards podcast is the great white buffalo fireball and two percent milk with cinnamon (laughs) so don't come at me with your milky horchata silliness it it works just fine buddy i promise (laughs) (laughs) guys if you have a mexican place or like anywhere like a a place that serves that food around you that that offers horchata and you've never tried it please go fucking try it it's so good it's cinnamon milk in on ice, and it's it's like drinking a churro. Yeah, like, it's that's great. That's the best way I can describe it. Cinnamon they rice milk. a churro. It's that it. Yeah. And, Fuck quite frankly, yeah, I miss it so pro much. tip here, if you're a total gringo like me and you can't handle spicy shit, you get horchata and that milk kind of kills the spice so you can, you know, be a big oh, boy yeah. and eat your food. Like, I'll admit it, I, I can't handle yeah. spicy. Like, Oh, yeah. No, I'm not a, I'm like, I like a little bit of spice, but I'm definitely kind of a weenie when it comes to, to like some of the heavier shit. Yeah. No, horchata is like the perfect, perfect way to like not look like a dickhead while also putting out the fire in your mouth. Yeah. Smash cut to Kansas city when you bought me those wings and they were too fucking spicy (laughs) and I felt like such an asshole. Yeah. Um, one more pro here. Hank takes a general interest in Inez. This is a really solid episode of Hank being a good guy. Yeah. Like, this isn't a Hank... I, I guess I'm amending my note of Hank fixes everything, because he does, but also, this is a genuine Hank is there episode, and it's a really good Hank is the good guy episode. Um, I genuine. I like that he genuinely cares. Um, I'm a little bit bummed out we didn't get to hear his speech, but that's okay. I just... You know, yeah. the, the little bits and, like, what with uh, the girls coming to the party and he goes, they're coming? Like, he is invested. He cares. He grows to like Inez. Like, it's cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. No, it's that's a big that's a big moment that, that I noted in my rating for this episode because it, it's, it's really cool to see Hank not just take a genuine interest in some... He's taking genuine interest in someone that's not Bobby for a change, right? And you and I always, like, gush over when he is legitimate with Bobby. And so it's really cool to see him be able to transcend that and do it to somebody like like Enrique's daughter, who he's never met before and who he will never see again. Um, It says a lot about his character that we can... that he can do that and it's believable. Yeah. And you know what, too? Like, yeah. I compare this one to um, Mice and Little Green Men when Bobby and 
So okay. Bobby and Joseph kind of like trade parents, and you know Dale is giving Bobby acting tips, and Hank is showing Joseph how to play lacrosse. But like that right. one, he's a jerk, and he's like outwardly neglecting his boy. In this one, he's not. Like, there's no competition. There's no role being filled or anything. But so I think it makes it better and easier to, or or, or more enjoyable, because he's not like. You know, oh yeah, Bob, I know, you're sweet 14. Because they could have beat that over the head and they didn't, and I appreciate that a lot. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, we also get good guy Hank, not like Hank is spending time with somebody that isn't his son. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Those were my pros. Go ahead. um, Yeah, sorry, those were my pros. Yeah. Um, So first one that I've got here is that I I think I, after some self- self-introspection um i would probably go to a lottery style sacrifice party if i got invited i think i would (laughs) really like that was it was just like a weird moment where i was just like would you actually go to that especially if you knew that was what was going to happen and i kind of think i would now with that in mind uh the fact that you brought up midsummer gave me ptsd flashbacks and i almost want to rescind that because that movie fucked me up (laughs) Like, fucked me up good. I've got a bunch of friends that live in Norway and in that region. Like, they're all Scandinavian and shit. And they love that movie. And they love how uncomfortable it fucking made me. And damn. Guys, go watch Midsummer If you if you want you want a good fucking horror movie for October, go watch that. Um, Next one here. We already hit this a couple of times, and I'm sure it's no surprise to you, Mark. If I ever have a kid, they're getting a sweet Fortino party, whether they fucking want it or not. Okay. <laughs> um, if it's if I end up having a girl, they don't have to eat hot dogs because that's very phallic for a fourteen-year-old to just chug fourteen hot dogs. Uh, but they're gonna eat fourteen somethings. It's gonna fucking happen. Okay. Okay. I don't know what. What do you think the the female equivalent would be instead of a hot dog? Because hot dog is perfect for like a fourteen-year-old boy. What would a fourteen-year-old girl want? Like, I don't know, fourteen pumpkin spice lattes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I gave my daughter diabetes. Yeah, I was going to say if you don't kill your boy with, you know, the 14 if if Ajax doesn't die from his 14 hot dogs from nitrite poisoning, your daughter's <laughs> going to die from her heart popping. Yes. <laughs> What's her name Marin? Uh, we yeah, decided your imaginary daughter. Marin, yes. Yeah. I remember. That is my yes, yes. You oh, wow, I'm impressed. I'm, Very I'm good. a good, I'm a good fucking fake uncle, man. What do you want, <laughs> guys? This was like six months ago. On I can't wait to show the kids. Go back and listen to the first, uh, first um, Godzilla movie. Shin Godzilla, yeah. Shin Godzilla. Thank you. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like uh, I don't want to say cakes, but like maybe like macarons or or cupcakes probably cupcakes. Would be a bad one, but that's yeah. Fucking cupcakes. <laughs> Fucking cupcakes. Fucking um, cupcakes. Cake pops. Yeah, you know. Anyway, uh, my kid's getting a sweet Fortino party whether they want it or not. I love that idea. I wish I could have had one. Um, I think I might intentionally try and eat 34 hot dogs this year. 34 Bockwurst, if you will. Ooh. <laughs> Sign me um, up. Next note here, and it's because every time I hear this fucking three-word three Spanish phrase, Mark, I think of you because I will always and forever associate the great one with you. 
Viva La Raza, Mark. Viva La Raza. Fucking Eddie Guerrero, guys. Oh, man. I oh heard that God. in my heart, like, died because that little... Because I thought it was Andy Dick saying it, and in my head, like, no, Eddie Guerrero no, no, came no. out of yeah. heaven and three amigos dim, just like he did in that weird 2K game that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, guys, go back and this is this is your like I don't know what monthly reminder to go back and watch some classic wrestling. Go watch Eddie Guerrero; he's fucking incredible. Yes, he um, is. And my last one here, I already hit. Horchata is the nectar of the gods, guys. Also, please go, go fucking find some horchata or some rum chata. That's the alcoholic version of horchata that's fucking everywhere now. Dude, pound some of that while you're watching some old school WWF. Like that go. sounds like a great fucking night. <laughs> I was going to restore Baldur's Gate, but now I know what I'm doing. <laughs> going to go buy a big-ass bottle of rumchata. That's what's happening. <laughs> what, Grande Blanco Bison? <laughs> Great White Buffalo? Yeah, Grande Blanco Bison. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Cons, where is Peggy's shiny new sticker price car, John? Where, oh, where could it be? Oh, you know, maybe maybe they had to forfeit it. Hmm. Maybe they had to go send it back as payment for the shit that got blown up. That's that's why he didn't end up charging or like uh, pressing charges. <laughs> um, a couple weeks ago, you got really mad on trans uh, fascism when uh, Buck walks in and goes, well, Strickland is closed. I don't know what Buck sounds like. I'm sorry. That was kind of cotton, but it was bad. And you're like, ah, damn, just tell us that you're upping the stakes. And hey, Buck really wanted to give the speech. Yeah, that's it, boys. Up those fucking stakes because we need more of them. Fuck you. I hate that shit. Um, <laughs> this episode held up too well. Like, it held yeah. up too well, and it is cryptically depressing um we see if it still holds up boy did it but not in a good way because holy shit these people kind of kill whatever future you and i had these people took it out back and shot it in the head like our parents had already done their job devastating it and you know just like beating that horse to death but it wasn't quite dead no no the hipsters rolled in with their fucking lever action lever action hipster rifles and shot it to death and I hate it. And how many fucking apothecaries and fucking coffee shops and fucking Colorado merch stores does a mountain town need? Well, the answer is 10 at any given time. Also, side con, I don't have rich parents to buy me a fucking house. Oh, I hate that. You and I missed it. We th- yeah. we were the ones that missed that shit. I feel like the 90s were the last time where it was appropriate to buy your kids a house. That shit doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And I'm not complaining or anything. I'm just saying, God damn. Um, final, there is a dead horse that I will beat here. I am the hipster, and I'm the one that's going to say, why are Peggy's feet animated smaller than goddamn Yolanda's? Are you telling me <laughs> that fucking Yolanda is rocking a size catorce? I don't fucking think so, dog. 2-0. She's <laughs> the big 2-0. She's a fucking Ventate. Like, mm, I, okay. Okay, all right. Those are my cons, and I, I'm glad that I got to come back and be mad about Peggy's feet. <laughs> God damn it. Yes. Yeah, fuck you. Zap- okay. okay, I'm good. You're good. We're all good. Drink your <laughs> fucking truly passion fruit that is truly terrible. <laughs> I'm jumping into my cons while you drink your truly, okay? Bits it, baby. 
Um, first con, entitled hipster shits. <laughs> Second con, fuck, I hate hipsters. <laughs> third con, a third time, hipsters are the Brita Perry of the real world. They're just the fucking worst. Wasn't that the point of Brita? <sighs> like she was what? just the, wasn't that the point of Brita? She was just like a terrible hipster? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she's a caricature of of so many of of those shitty stereotypes. Um, but Mark, if I could probably, if I could live the rest of my days without walking into a shop, just being bombarded by fucking iron and wine, and being offered a matcha green tea, and and like a free like crystal, I don't know. I li- I work in a profession. Where I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be unbiased and non-judgmental, and you know what? It's really, really hard to do that with some people, and some people that have just like they refuse to acknowledge their privilege, and they refuse to acknowledge how much better they have it than other people that they get to enjoy a specific lifestyle and force it upon everybody else. Cause that's what a hipster does. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like, if you enjoy all that shit, but you don't force it on people, I'm not trying to sling shit at you by any means. But if you try and like, you try and take my fucking mariachi music out of the Mexican restaurant and play your shitty DJ. No, you need to get your ass kicked up and down the street. Like that's what needs to fucking happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just let things be things. Um, we do not need one unified, gross world culture, and you are not the ones to fucking dictate it. That's what the fucking real thing is. Beauty is in obscurity. Beauty is in uh, individualism. Melting God pot. Damn. Anyway, it, it, yes, but goddamn it, if I'm if I'm gonna eat out of the melting pot, I want to know that what I'm eating is beef and not just some random ass gray meat. <laughs> if if you will. Like, I want there to be some distinction here. Okay. I want to know, cool, there's corn floating in this, which means that part of this is fucking chili. Cool. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to need to stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you put corn in your chili? <laughs> I'm just saying, Mark, if it's an identifiable factor, and for the record, the Southwest... A lot of people put corn in their chili. I do not personally. Yeah, they're wrong. Was to talk to. (laughs) Yes, they're wrong. It's a sin. Okay, (laughs) I'm sorry. Continue. I I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't say kidney bean because kidney bean goes in a lot of different things, and that's one one thing that always makes its way into my chili. So I had to go with corn because it's more identifiable. Good enough. Okay. Okay, Anyway, sorry guys. I, I promise I'm not super drunk. Next one, salmon and fish tacos, dot, dot, dot. Absolutely fucking not. That is that is a, an abortion of fish tacos. Yeah, it really is. And I love salmon. Like, I love salmon. Absolutely fucking not. No, if it cannot be fried, it doesn't go in a fish taco. That's, that's your fucking borderline right there. I don't care if it's fried or not, if it's in there, but it has to be able to be fried in order for it to go in there, and you don't fry salmon. Um... Deep fry salmon, excuse me. I have to I have to make sure that's clear. Um, and my last one here, and I'm curious what you think about this. Mark, okay. how do you uh, how do you like Bill in this episode? Because he keeps talking. He just keeps showing up, keeps saying things, and every time he opens his mouth and says anything, it seems out of place and unnecessary to me. Give me an example. What do you what's what's stuck in your craw? 
so the very end, like, like for example, the very end here, Hank doesn't get to do his speech. Um, Bill is just there at the quinceanera because for some reason, all everybody got invited, including Bill. Uh, it wasn't just Hank and Hank's family. Enrique now knows everybody in the alley, which... Cool. Okay. We'll go back to irreconcilable differences. We'll say okay, they're all drinking. Okay, but Johnny, now. what have you not known a Hispanic dude to invite anybody to any party they're having? Like, no, it's it's true. It's they true. will. So, like, dude, that's not really what sticks. I in have the like here. walked through. I have walked by conversations and been invited to fucking parties down here. Like, it's, <laughs> they they are a giving um, and very social people. And goddamn it, we should all be a little bit more like them. Yeah, uh, but no, it's it's. Uh, the like really what sticks out here is is Bill going well go on Hank this is your moment let's go and do it do it to it or he says something stupid yeah. is shit okay and it's just like you you don't need to be here like every time he opens his mouth in this episode it is literally just it's the one extra line that needed needs to be cut needs to be left on the damn floor so bad use of Bill I I don't know it, it is it's a bad use of Bill this is our our apparently our fucking episode here where. We absolutely need Steven Root here because he needs his fucking paycheck and we can't just give it to Enrique, you know? Well, th- well, no, because Steven Root would be could have buck lines, I guess. But I was going to say, you know what? It's the Millers. You get this or Heat Waver. Which one do you want? Fuck, dude. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think the Millers know what to do with Bill. A lot of people don't, though, you know? And... We saw this with Boomhauer. No, we're like, yeah. we weren't getting a lot of Boomhauer in episodes. I think it's okay to just maybe not need Bill. I think so too. We got a good, like, minimal use of Dale in this episode, right? We get his whole yeah. midsummer, like, conspiracy theory. Um, like, that. that's like the perfect amount of Dale for me. We don't need anything out of Boomhauer most episodes. We just need to see him. He's there. He's involved. Cool. Makes sense. Yeah. He doesn't usually have a lot to say. Augments. We don't need a lot of Bill this episode, but every time he's used, it seems like it's a mistake. Like it's the wrong time to use him. I would agree I with that. He the, felt out of place. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Next time you watch through, if, like if, if this yeah. is indeed is not a charcoal for you and you're going to actively skip it, next time you watch through, tell me if, if like there is a better place for Bill or a better, like, job for him in this okay because i just don't understand it again i just don't know if you really need him there but yeah i don't think you do like i would be happy without him but i understand the the necessity like cool if you're gonna have dale you're gonna have boom power you gotta have bill the only one you can ever really omit out of the four of them is boom because he doesn't say a lot most of the Mm -hmm. time but um mark we're to favorite moments buddy what do you got for me um, hipsters got no place to be, man. Uh, that's a great little Dale scene. Good use of Dale. He knows he is keyed into this yep. culture. He doesn't like them and understands them. And you should understand the people you don't care for. I like it a lot. How about you, buddy? Okay. Um, I've got two here. Um, Peggy's line of flipping little Mexico like a big golden quesadilla was just fucked up enough. For me to like, it's just offensive enough for me to like perk up and go, Oh, what did you just say? <laughs> it also makes me really want a big fucking quesadilla with a shitload of cheese and all the shredded chicken and basically a, a vat of green chili for me to dunk it in. Dude, I'm having a hard time this week with missing 
good Mexican. I was just going to say, how much do you hate Germany and their lack of green chili? Like, it doesn't exist here. It just doesn't fucking exist here. I've had, I had, I have one jalapeno plant that grows on my, like, little outside area. That's it. And and he's he's had exactly one jalapeno, and it wasn't even, like, half the strength that I'm used to of the shit in Colorado. So I'm, like, dying inside watching this episode. Like, please, please oh, just 20. give me some good fucking food. Um, my, my last favorite moment here, it's probably my moment of the episode. This honestly might be my moment of the season. Okay. Because it got such, like, it tickled me so hard at the prospect, but it's the, it is the perfect, absolute perfect use of Dale. It's Dale going, I got this video camera to watch your speech and for the sacrifice and him panning to the old woman and then zooming in. That is the funniest, darkest fucking joke we've seen in so long. And oh my God, Dale with a camera is, we already know it's gold, right? Mm -hmm. We already know that from Rockadillo. Right, right. Oh, not Rockadillo. It's the progenitor of Rockadillo, if we will. (laughs) You're talking about Arlenian. Yeah, you're talking about the uh, recruiting. I I know what you meant. I know what you, I'm taping your Zoom. Uh, thanks cowboy taping movie your zoom damn it <laughs> thank you um that is the funniest darkest joke because it, he really does he picks out the oldest woman there and then zooms in and you're just like dale really thinks this woman's gonna die and he's here for all of it mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so fucked up mm-hmm. i love it <laughs> oh good dale in this episode you know like not a lot but just enough i think honestly it, it is. It is. This is the right amount of Dale if he's not going to be a focal point, but you need, you quote unquote, need to have him here. This is what I want from Dale. Like, this is a, a good use of him. Yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. Well, all right, buddy. Anything else to say or you want to rate this bad boy? Um, I say we we give it a rating. Uh, you mind if I break down the rating system for us? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, our rating system, guys, is as followed. At the very bottom of the Dangle Podcast scale, we have a charcoal. A charcoal episode of King of the Hill is an absolute failure. It is so dirty it leaves soot underneath your boy's fingernails. It's not good. It's 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 an unwatchable episode of King of the Hill. You watch it one time on your initial go through and and unless you're listening to this and you skip it all together and you go, well, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, charcoal is just it's a, it's a failure. It doesn't represent the show at all. One step above that is our Megalo rating. Megalo is kind of like a bronze and a bronze tier episode of King of the Hill is mostly shit, but it's got those beautiful little yellow kernels of corn somewhere in it. So there's there's a funny joke in there somewhere, or that there's a really good, good Mexican corn with the spices and the it's crema. That good, mm. <laughs> that good Mexican street corn is just hanging out right there, you know, slathering that shit in with extra mayonnaise and extra tahini. It's what it is. Uh, it's what comes out at the end of, of that. Um, Middle episodes are also very not good. You're not going to for them. Ew, 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 ew. You're welcome, buddy. You nasty fucker. After that, you got a butane. Butane is a bastard gas, and a butane episode is a bastard of an episode. You love to hate it, you hate to love it. Um, A butane episode is middle of the road. It's a silver tier. There's a lot of butanes out there. It's watchable TV. 
but chances are pretty good that you're going to have, you're going to turn it on. You're going to lose interest five minutes in and you're going to dick around on your phone while it plays in the background. There's a lot of episodes that are butane. Doesn't mean they're terrible. Doesn't mean they're great. They're just there. After that, you got Char Kings. And these are truly our standout episodes of King of the Hill. They represent what we want this show to, to show everybody. Um, great character buildup. They they take a fun sitcom trope and turn it on its head or try something new with it. They get experimental with it. We've got a fun guest star somewhere. If Mark and I both agree that an episode's a Char King, it becomes a Char King Imperial, which is just about the best damn episode of King of the Hill you can ever get. You just need a little bit of context. You have to understand the characters to start understanding why this is such a good episode. The nuances are lost on new watchers. The only thing better than a Charking Imperial is our Blue Flame of Valor. The Blue Flame of Valor represents the best and brightest of King of the Hill, and these are the episodes that you're going to watch to get into the show. You're going to show them to people that you want to watch the show with you. Blue Flames of Valor are the perfect introductory points to King of the Hill. They're going to show you exactly who the characters are and what they should be representing throughout the rest of this series. Mark? On a scale of, uh, wow, I almost said 1 to 10. On a scale of charcoal to blue flame of valor, what do you give lady and gentrification? Um, Initially, well, I don't know. I think, again, I'm at this like weird crossroads here where I don't know how to feel about a thing, and then I think that talking to you will make it better. Um, Initially, I rated this as a char king. <laughs> I'll be honest. This is a really good episode of King okay. of the Hill. Um, very plausible yeah. set. People outside of Bill, everybody is used very well. Um, completely reasonable right. that Peggy would get wrapped up in this type of deal. Completely reasonable that Enrique is going to make Hank, you know, is going to browbeat Hank into a thing. Um, it yeah. also, okay, I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm asking for a cookie. It's also a weirdly multicultural episode of King of the Hill. and King of the Hill does do multicultural really, really well. Um, you even called yeah, it out. Absolutely. You even called it out at the top there, talking about how you didn't know what quinceañeras were. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of cool that this show is doing a thing like this in the later seasons, and it's, it works well. Um, I really, really like Hank and um, oh my God, what's her name? Inez. Thank you. I wanted to say chrysanthemum, and I knew that was super wrong. I really appreciate. <laughs> I really appreciate uh, Hank and Inez's relationship and like they get to talk and they become friends. I think that's super cool. And quite frankly, it's wholesome too. You don't see a 40 something year old man hanging out with a 15 year old Mexican girl and think it's cool. But in King of the Hill, you do. And it did it really well. And quite frankly, all right, Millers, you can still hang out. It's a Char King. How about you, buddy? Uh, so I give this a Bu King. I'm real close to you here. Real okay. close. I, I don't know what it is that, that doesn't quite push me to Char King, but I'm glad that it that I'm, I'm I'm not there because I don't think this is an Imperial, if that makes me sound like I'm justifying this even more. Uh -huh. But it's definitely more of the King on the Bu King level here. Um, I remember fucking hating this episode. Right. I, I think you and I both alluded to that at the beginning of our recording here because you think about Enrique and he is so problematic sometimes and he's so hard to watch sometimes and then you realize oh god that's right we have an entire episode dedicated about his family and a quinceanera and like I just remember hating this so so much and really I don't hate any of the Enrique stuff in this episode it's Peggy and the hipsters that I hate 
And it's not even that. It's the idea of the hipsters coming in to gentrify this area. Mm-hmm. That's what I fucking hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is written really, really well. Uh, like you said, this episode, unfortunately, holds up too well because people are still doing this. It's why nobody can afford housing anywhere anymore because it's just like, oh, well, we know that you have a very limited income and we're going to charge you the absolute fucking most that we can to get every red cent out of you so that you stay on our rental chain and you never actually go out and buy your own fucking house. Um, the, the, uh, I love the exploration of Mexican culture in this episode. I mentioned that at the beginning and you already hit this, but my last line in here, the authenticity of Hank and Inez. We get to see Hank be such a, just a genuine person with her and mm-hmm. really connect with her. And we don't see that often with people outside of his like bubble, right? He connects with the guys. He connects with Peggy. We love it. And we absolutely go at batshit crazy when he does it with Bobby. He's doing this with somebody that we have never seen before and will never see again. And, and it's totally and 100% believable. Because we all know Hank and he has established so well that, yeah, no, he absolutely would. Once he finds something to connect with with her, that's what's what it's all it's going to take. Because mm-hmm. he really is. He's a genuinely good guy. I think that's why Enrique likes him so much. He knows that he would be a good person for his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's for me, this is a buking. It's, I don't know what it is. I, Bill really sticks in my fucking mouth a little bit about... Like, why this is obnoxious? Because every time he shows up, I'm like, oh, why is Bill here? Why is he saying things? This is awkward and weird. They even have a moment where Strickland has to make some, like, hemming and hawing at the end of the quinceanera. And I'm like, he doesn't need to be here either. Like, Well, I like that Buck is there because he doesn't get to give the speech. I think that's kind of funny. Like, Buck still showed up. Well, I like that, too. But he doesn't need to say anything. You can just have him with a fucking scowl the entire time to get your point across. Yeah. Hey, really quick. Damn it, old top. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, really quick. I just realized how many like young girls rites of passage Hank is privy to. Like he takes Luann out for a twenty first birthday and gets horsed. Yep. Um, aisle eight A. Oh fuck! One of our blue flames. Yeah. This I I'm just I'm kind of thinking like this really is. A good episode of King of the Hill. Like, Hank is a thousand percent in character. It's kind of crazy. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. He anyway. is, he is very, like, I don't know what it is that Hank gives off, but apparently he is just very good at, with young women. It's right? because like he must in the 90s, like, it was funny to have him be freaked out by a period and then his niece getting felt up in a car. But. I, I guess, yeah. But he's he's always been a very good role model, like a very good proponent for women's rights and equality and shit like that. Like, Hank has always been very much a champion of the women in his life, and I fucking appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Being there for his mom at Port Aransas, like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Hot damn. Hot damn. All right, buddy. Anyway. Let's, uh, we well, I think polished it's, off uh, this taco. Yeah, we, I think we did. I say, why don't we, why don't we mosey on over to our next episode, Mark? Let's do her. All right. This is episode 228, Behind Closed Doors. Uh, original air date, March 16th, 2008. This is written by our good buddy, Christy Stratton. Mark, where did we see Mrs. Stratton last? Oh, last time we saw her on the Powderpuff Boys. 
and we oh, wow. did not like it. <laughs> no, and that's, what was that, uh, early season 12? Yeah. Okay. As I say, it's been a while since we saw Christy Stratton, and, and I don't remember hating that episode, but I, I don't remember it really ever sticking out to me. Um, cast of characters for this week. Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Dale Gribble, Bill Dotrieve, Boom Hauer, uh, Stevens, Davies, Ron, Joseph, Nancy, Gribble, Stuart Dooley, Melinda Dooley, Tim Dooley, Luann Platter, Lucky Kleinschmidt, fucking Carl Moss, and Buck Strickland for some reason. <laughs> I don't know if I don't remember actually seeing Buck Strickland. I know he's mentioned in this because Hank says, yeah. oh, he did this. He photographed the Stricklands. Um, but yeah, 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 I don't, yeah. I don't remember actually seeing him in this episode. Uh, synopsis, the Hills need a Christmas card and so do the Dooleys and Dale breaks out the keyboard. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with this episode. You people are going to yeah. hear about it. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> um, Give me your notes, buddy. A story. A story. Oh yeah, is that. Peggy sorry. Hank. Do that first. I'm sorry. Um, Peggy, Hank and Bobby. B story is Dale, Bill and Boomhauer. And I will happily jump into notes here. Um, first off, it is very vaudeville of Dale to soundtrack the alley. And I love this B story. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more We got more a B story. We, like, we got a, a legit damn B story, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's a legit fucking B story. And I, I I love it. I wish there was a little bit more to it. And I think that's it's either in my cons or it's in my uh, episode wrap-up here. I just, I feel like like we, we got, like something else was left. That we just didn't get to see um but no it's it's a very on point for dale we know that he loves his his keyboarding we've seen this what three times now two times now um i know Couple we saw times, bluegrass yeah. is always greener uh um, major babies he's playing their intro music yep major babies so we've seen it like multiple times now but this is this is very memorable to me i remember I remember his like theme songs for everybody coming into the alley and and all that stuff. Um. Okay, they have this meeting right in the school yes. with Stevens Davies and Peggy is talking mad shit the entire time about Melinda Dooley and she gets up and she walks away. Do you think that it's hubris that he calls her out and she goes, "No, I don't have to worry about this," or do you think she really like is justified in her confidence? Yeah, probably. Where else are they going to be? Like, there's no reason that they shouldn't be home, and that's the point of the misunderstanding. But... Yeah. I don't yeah, think it's... I, no, I, I don't... The... Go ahead. As I say, I love the, the cutaway there, because they show, like, they're home, they're just in the backyard doing hill shit, right? Like, Bobby's playing with Lady right. Bird, and Hank is sitting, sitting in his piece of the Gatsby collection. Like, they're just doing their shit. <laughs> I, I'm very sad, like, that this doesn't... Like, she doesn't just go, well, yeah, they were outside. Like, this doesn't just resolve itself. And she has to go on this full-blown, like, manic attack. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thank you for, for making me feel like, like, yeah, she is justified in this. Because I feel like Peggy is a very good homemaker. She knows what's going on at her house at pretty much any given point. They've established that 12 seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the 1977 Cowboys won Super Bowl 12 versus the Denver Broncos. Uh, they won 27 <laughs> to 10. The Denver Broncos, they suck. Oh, you just don't know football, Mark. <laughs> I think it could be fun. I think owning the Denver Broncos is pretty good. 
<laughs> Fun fact, uh, everybody listening, about that particular episode of uh, The Simpsons, the very next year the Broncos won the Super Bowl, and then they won it again the year after that. Back to back. Yeah, baby! They're fucking terrible this year. I can't even I can't even get excited about it. Um, 20 to note, 70. <laughs> don't That's even. That's all I'm going to say. Why you got to do that to me? How good are the fucking Packers doing, buddy? Hey, man, Packers are never good, so fuck you. Packers are good the first season, <laughs> the first game of the season. Get my hopes real, real high. I watch the game, and I'm a happy boy. Until they're not anymore. <laughs> but you know what? I resolutely go, Pack, go. Go, Pack, go. At this How point, the I fuck think could more... you lose to the Raiders? <laughs> At this point, I think there's more CU Buffs fans in Colorado than there are Broncos fans. But that's because of Dion Primetime Sanders. Um, next note, appearance of Unvincible, Mark. We talked about this, I think, what, last week? Last yeah, like, week, yeah, we talked last about week. Robert Kirkman's Invincible. Yeah, and this is the one. Uh, I didn't man who knew up too so little, soon. so that'd be two weeks ago, but yeah. Yeah, two weeks ago then. But yeah, we, we talked about this, and it's, uh, yeah, Unvincible. It's, it is the Invincible crossover, if you will, uh, between the mm-hmm. Mike Judge universe and uh, the com- comic book universe. So that makes me really happy. Um, keep an eye out in Buck Strickland or Hank Hill's office. You're going to see a uh, Mark Grayson doll as Invincible or Unvincible, if you will, uh, appear in one more episode. That's the last reference to it. But there's multiple ones either in this season or in next season. Um, Okay, next one here. It's a question for you because I, I don't know. You have to help me kind of work this out. Is this good or bad Peggy writing? Because this is so over the top. This episode is so over the top, it's hard to fucking watch. And I can't tell if this is good Peggy or bad Peggy. Because, like, yes, there is definitely a moment where people kind of overtake and they go, well, if you're not answering every, any of my text messages, if you aren't answering my phone calls, I'm going to freak the fuck out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And that's very understandable and believable. At least now it is. But at the time, mm-hmm. like, is 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 this bad Peggy? Is this somebody, like, taking the piss out of Peggy because they can? I don't think so. I think it's very reasonable, Peggy. Um, she is basically okay. publicly shamed. Um, I And again, because we talked about was it, you know, hubris or did she think she was actually, you know, justified in engaging with uh, okay. Davies? Um and yeah, she was, she was going to walk away and you know, then she didn't whatever, but like, even with this, it's reasonable. She was, you know, what do you do when you get publicly shamed? You probably overcorrect and this is the overcorrection. So no, I think it's both justified and I think it's good Peggy writing. It is reasonable okay. to assume that she would do something like that, especially in the beginning with the little like board, the, the little whiteboard on the wall. Um, that is good. That makes sense. That is a thing that she would do. That absolutely very much yeah. is in her wheelhouse. Maybe get a little okay. bit jump jump the sharky with the cell phone that only reaches her. That's kind of dumb. But I also it also is plausible for you know two thousand and eight. Like okay, you know, yeah. it's not cool. It's not an iPhone. It's just a little you know shitty jitterbug with three numbers that you know. That's all. Right. 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 Okay. Um, and so also in- too, this is, this could almost, so sorry, I, I'm also doubling down a little no, bit here good. and I'm going to tap into one of my notes. This is a Peggy gets involved in a triangle opportunity. Just not really. Okay. 
So this is on par with like Dr. Vizosa or even I would say Jane and Jane where she just yes ands into the stupidity and just lets that get taken advantage of because really this guy is a is a fucking fraud. He is a hack. Like Davies <laughs> yeah. is a piece of shit. And I'm also pretty sure he's a pedophile with all the like let's hang around in our underwear and take the doors out. I don't know whatever that's side conversation <laughs> for a later date. Yeah. But like He's a bad person. He's a piece of shit. So it stands to reason that, like, Peggy would, you know, get taken in by him. That's what she does. That is very much on character. So I'd even give Stratton points for understanding Peggy as a character. Okay. Making Peggy the rube of the entire thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Goodbye, normal jeans. We see her escalate into literal insanity of stealing a turkey and riding it on a bike. This is better than that one. Does that okay. make sense? Like, this is... No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This is... I would say this is good Peggy. Like, okay. defensively good Peggy. Yeah. No, thank thank you for your clarification here, because, like, I, I was really struck. I was like... Because I, I really... Her character is so unlikable in this episode that I needed somebody to kind of talk it out with to, to look and see, like, all right, is somebody just writing her poorly? Is that why I don't like her? Or is this something I should be really kind of appreciating about it so good I'm, I'm glad we can give christy stratton some points here we don't we're not always her biggest fan mm-hmm. but um i also realized that in the middle of your comp your like your breakdown here that i never called out our guest star here which is stevens davies mark do you know who it is uh who is it ed begley jr oh he made that a uh, electric car right uh maybe possibly powered by his own sense of self-worth i have no idea what you're referencing if you are referencing something yeah it's a sims i swear to god it's ed begley jr and he's like i want to say it's the one where uh homer works for um alec baldwin and kim basinger and they're at the party okay and it's just Ed Bagley Jr.'s here. oh i came in my electric car it runs on my own sense of self-worth and he like puts the helmet on and like zips away it's i i also might be super wrong I, possibly i don't remember that one super well um guys if you are watching along with us uh you may know ed begley jr if you are connected at all to popular culture um i'm watching a lot of modern family lately and he is let's see here claire claire dunphy's mother's new husband like he shows up in a bunch of episodes um but most people will know him as like He's he's one of the big attorneys in the end of Better Call Saul. Okay. Yeah, like if you look up Ed Bagley Jr., you're gonna know exactly who the fuck he is. Like you're gonna immediately recognize him. Um, I don't know if he is a comedic actor normally or not. I th- I want to say he is because he's always just like he's just this awkward white dude with glasses and like almost a speech impediment, but not quite a speech impediment. Anyway. Ed Begley Jr. Um, and then, anyway, my last note here. Sorry, guys. I, I, I apologize for kind of detracting here. I, I realized, though, like, I just didn't talk about our guest star at all. Uh, my last one here is that we have a new Arlen, uh, uh, a new Arlen business, and that's Mama Maggie's Pretzels in the Arlen Mall. Oh, good looking out, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Mama Maggie's and Peggy does it right. They're a German pretzel place. They've got mustard smeared all over it. 
and that's the way you eat a pretzel. <laughs> Ein Laugenbretzel ist sehr lecker. Uh, Mark, give me your notes, bud. Give me two fucking pretzels. How about that? Um, the photo album at the beginning feels real and like an organic moment. You, We all do this. We all look at pictures with the people that we yeah. care about, and we go back and we reminisce about the time we were doing that thing. That moment feels yeah. very real. But then I think that this plot is kind of stupid and unreasonable, but then I remember that this was before our lives were like frequently being documented by our phones. So right, right, it's right, just right. a note. It's not a pro. It's not a con. It is what it is. Um this is a lead up to a con. Is the Arlen Midget going to appear in the picture? No, he doesn't. Con. <laughs> God damn con. it. We have had multiple episodes where he is involved in Christmas. I want him here too. God damn it. Um, I want Continuity. him to, to, to just have a deal with Ron. We're like, you know, 80 bucks. I'll show up. Like, hey, yes. you want the midget today? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we're not being disrespectful. He calls himself that, guys. Uh, Peggy Pyramid Scheme, already talked about that. Uh, I got a retro reference rage of kids not having Ooh. a cell phone. I know. I wish. <laughs> and they're like, does your son have one? And she goes, no. And I'm like, bullshit. And I was like, wait, 2008. Okay, never mind. Retracted. Yep. Um... Not a pro or a con, just an observation. I'm sorry, Bill's song needs just a touch more tuba or a little bit more brassy. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you already hit uh, Unvincible. But let's talk about that B-plot really quick. Dale and his keyboard. Holy shit, I am all about it. Yeah. It's so good. I, I love this weird little B-plot, right? Because it... It lightens the mood. I talk about how this is a hard Peggy episode to watch because she is unlikable for most of this. Like, you you want to be the person that just screams at her, like, just be fucking normal. Let your people have their, their own lives. Don't try and insert yourself where you're not supposed to. And this B-plot, like, it inserts itself in such good ways of going, cool, now I don't have to worry about weird Peggy. Now I just get to hear Dale and his theme songs for people. Which are all pretty much fucking on point, right? I don't know if Hank is Metallica, but yeah. <laughs> no, that's just one that he thought was Hank. His is actually the one <laughs> at the very end. It's like all of the chimes and shit. <laughs> no, I know. Well, yeah, okay, is it that or is it the goddamn harps? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I don't know, like, Bill just being like, what is it? Random like clown noises and slide whistles and bumps yeah. and beeps, like yep, whimsical. For Bill, it's, and Boomhauer. You know what it is? Is it's how Bill? So they decided to write a song based off of how they wrote Bill the last couple seasons, where he was literally just a you know on screen joke man child. He's a drooling nincompoop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And then Boomhauer's song just being like seventies funky, like Hank can hear it in the in the alley, like, oh Boomhauer's out there. I need to go out there uh -huh. and have a beer, guys. See ya. <laughs> I love that. I love that little <laughs> callback, like, oh, you guys are making this pay off for me. <laughs> yeah. I I also like too, this mirrors my editing style for two wizards, where I just kind of start and make it organic, and then I try and put too much into it and get super burnt out, and then I'm doing a duet with Lucky in the end, and I hate my life. Oh. <laughs> 
you'll notice the uh, amount of sound design per episode fluctuates graphically. Um, I really like this B-plot, though. It's like you're saying, this is a hard Peggy episode to watch because she is just so grating. But damn, dude, Dale breaks it up just so well. And mm-hmm. it's good. And it, I, I, I would even disagree with you a little bit in that I think there's just enough of it. We don't get bored with it, you know? Okay. Okay. So, um, oh, what was it where he gets the suit of armor? Uh, I just, all I hear in my mind is bow before me, soft shells. I don't remember the name of the episode though. I can't, it'll come to me. But so that one, and we got, we both got kind of irritated with how long the Dale B plot went. Right. This one does. And I think this one does not overstay its welcome. And I think that's a little bit important. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my notes. You want to talk to me about your pros? Yeah. Um, first pro here is that uh, Lucky should just crawl into a culvert for the rest of the series. I would be totally okay with that. <laughs> yep. We have a solution. A solution to the ultimate problem here. And that Lucky just needs to go in a culvert and die. Um, next is that Hank's, Hank has multiple theme songs. Um, I love them all. I love that entire sequence. Um, next big pro here for me. I'm going to kind of blast through these here because I don't have a lot of pros is that this whole episode demonstrates why we need boundaries. Like, there is mm-hmm. there is definitely a therapeutic need for everyone to have boundaries with the people they're around and that they live with and that they're around. Like, I know I said around twice. I've had a lot of beer already. It's cool. Um, guys, you need to be able to draw a boundary with your roommates, with your parents, with your siblings, with everybody. You absolutely fucking need to. Um, it is okay to want to to have somebody express themselves around you and feel like they can around you at the same time uh they're, they're, it could be very uncool for you to remove the bathroom door in your house like that is not okay it makes people <laughs> incredibly uncomfortable um so yeah guys just exercise your boundaries be very open and communicate as best as you can with people this episode, if if honestly, if Hank and Bobby had, had straight up said, like, look, we want to be here and we want to express ourselves to you, but you are making this really, really hard. Like, you need to stop for a second and listen to us. And I don't know, it's very Peggy for her not to listen because it's Peggy, but uh, it would have made all the difference in the world. So be able to set those boundaries mm-hmm. work on that everybody needs to work on it because it's really fucking hard to do it's, and and the closer you are to someone the harder it gets because you are that much more invested you don't want to you don't want to hurt them um my last pro here is that the extremes of this episode make me hate peggy so fucking much and it's a pro here because i know that's the whole goal of this episode like i am not supposed to like her in this she is the bad guy and they do it really, really well. They sell it really well. Cool, you are like bombarding me with, you've taken my bathroom door. You're now walking around in your underwear. You won't quit calling me. They get to the point where everybody in the house feels like they have to sneak out in order for her to not not notice that they're there. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you guys are making me see, and you're demonstrating it very well, how much I should be hating Peggy and her behavior. So... Yeah, message is received, and it's a it's a pro because you received it and you made me hate hate Peggy. So, um, those were my pros here. Like I said, I didn't have very many of them. What about you, okay. bud? 
Um, pros. Dale's keyboard. I already talked about it too much. It just yeah. this is great. I, this is great. Great. You, best episode of Dale we got. I'm calling it right now. Um, at the meeting, Dooley walks in, walks up to the microphone. I'm back. Great. <laughs> Fine. I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Hank is standing in the kitchen. I was gonna say, I know we get kind of weird and sticklery about like how you use Dooley, and this is a great way to use Dooley. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah, this is a good Dooley episode. This is yeah. Um, there's some theme music being played. Oh, Boomhauer's home, and Hank just takes off. Um, <laughs> there's a good little Hank bit in here, and it's when he wants his sideburns to be equal, so he's gonna have Peggy hold the laser level. That's great. That is. That is what Hank is doing in 2008 because laser levels are all the rage. Um, it is what you would buy the the craft the the carpenter the crafty dude in your life like that person is what you'd buy a laser level, and of right. course Hank has one and of course he's going to use it for his sideburns because it's laser precision, and you know that Hank gets a boner for laser precision because he read about it in a popular mechanics magazine when he was jacking off in a sperm clinic. <laughs> how's that for callback um gonna read this as i wrote it lol peggy has said oh no when they take the picture and she's wearing the ho shirt and she's pointing angrily said a ho yeah peggy said oh no i just i don't know I don't know why I wrote that, but I took it as a pro. And finally, this is a good use of Bobby in this episode, but we really shouldn't be surprised because if we have nailed one point, it's that Christy Stratton knows how to write Bobby, and I would refer you to both Powderpuff Boys, which we were indifferent towards, but he was good, but also um, yes. the portrait of the artist as a young clown when he is Tartuffe. Yes. That is an we, amazing we Bobby. We love that. I, Christy Stratton can say, make good we... Bobby. And didn't we Imperial that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I. This is good Bobby throughout. I would also say this is good Peggy throughout. This is good, hell, this is good Dooley throughout. Yeah. Well, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but give like, me some cons, because it can't all be good, there, right? No, right? I was going to say, there is a lot of good stuff to like in this episode. I'm Why'd you hit so many other different things than I did? I feel like I, I wanted to hate this episode because Peggy is just so like, she gets under my skin so much to this, but I made no, a point we'll, we'll to not to... watch this last night because of how much I thought I was going to hate it. And I was like, no, do okay. it first thing in the morning when you're fresh. And I, that's, I honestly think it might've made some difference, but yeah. Um, well, so we'll jump into my cons here. And my first one here. Is that back in two thousand and eight? This was this was a, a fun sitcom trope, and now it's absolutely not. It is okay to not be connected all of the time, mm-hmm. guys. You do not always have to have your cell phone on you. You don't always have to be available to someone else. You can put it down. You can turn it off. You can set it aside and take time for yourself, and the world will continue to revolve. It did for thousands upon millions upon billions of fucking years. Before any of us had cell phones, it's going to keep going. It's not the end of the world if someone can't get a hold of you for five minutes. Like, this is your daily reminder. Go out and do something for yourself and only yourself. 
Um, this episode, it, it was this concept was bad at the time, right? Like everybody was getting cell phones. Every every little kid had one. Everybody needed to be in, in contact at any given point. And I thought it was bad then. And then looking back at it then, I'm like, wow. You know, my mom used to want me to call her when I was coming home from middle school. And I would use the uh, the, the phone that they had in my middle school as a landline. And I would call her mm-hmm. cell phone and just go, hey, I'm walking home from school now. Like, if you need me, I'll be at home in the next, like, 20 minutes or so. I wasn't very far from my school. And most of the time, I wouldn't even get her. I would just leave the message, right? And so mm-hmm. it was just her way of like, hey, just just check in with me. That way I know you're walking home safe and all this and all that, all that shit. That wouldn't even fly today. Like, and, and it's even the same with me. Like, if I don't hear from my wife after she's she's gone to, gone to work, I like, I start to freak out by like 8.30 in the morning and, and she's been gone 15 fucking minutes. Like, are you okay? Did you, did you get on the bus okay? Was it, is anything happening? Like, what's going on? Like, I have all this weird pent up anxiety. Guys, we have mm-hmm. to learn to be able to disconnect from this shit. And this episode kind of like, it's a con for me and it's a con for me personally because I know I don't do it very well. I have to learn to disconnect, but yeah. Um, another con Great in here King is of that the Hill I've... makes you think, Johnny. God damn it. <laughs> it really does. Um, my next con here is that it's it's that I think I needed one more sequence of the B-plot to really enjoy it. I feel like I'm... I needed one that again. more piece of it. One more sequence of the B-plot to really fully enjoy it and appreciate it. Because um, okay. I love the B plot, I feel like we almost didn't get enough of it. I like that you said that it was just enough for you, like it didn't overdo it. We got the perfect amount of Dale, all this, and for some reason, I think we just needed a little bit more. I'll talk about it in my rating for this, but I think the fact that we didn't get one extra sequence is why I, I come down harder on this episode because it wasn't enough to balance out fucking Peggy's craziness. Like not in my own mind. So, okay. yeah. Um, and my last con here is that Ron's idea of a smoke break is having an entire fucking cigar and a yo play yogurt, and that's fucking <laughs> awful. That is like the most disgusting <laughs> thing I can imagine. You know what I mean? What like a just power a big move. fat cigar <laughs> and a fucking yo play. Oh my god, Ron. What is what is going on in your life? Oh. Um, <laughs> buddy, give me your cons. <laughs> Cons. Um, I have been up on this episode's dick about people that were used well. You know who isn't used well this week? A lot is Hank. Yeah. So I feel like Hank has a lot of stupid one-liners that don't belong. Things like, It's like I always say, people who plan ahead are prepared. Fuck you. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> I like dry erase boards. Fuck you. No, you don't. That's stupid. If anything, they should be triggering because grill stravaganza when you're watching Enrique or when you're watching Jojack whoop your ass up and down Strickland until goddamn Meinhofer walks in and like somehow saves you. Fuck you, Hank. Um, I just, I, a lot of what Hank, I, I, I like some Hank. He's fine, but he's just there. And it's like the problem that you had with Bill last episode. That's my problem with Hank. We need, okay. he needs to be given lines. And I I don't like it. They feel forced. They feel bitty. Unless they're like actually moving the plot. When he goes to kick Dave, uh, Davey's ass, that's a good use of Hank. Hank will kick an ass, but he is also one to respect like, you know, a line culture. So he will, you know, buy the goddamn book and wait in line for 30 minutes, but then he will kick your ass. <laughs> so like, yeah. that's good Hank. But most of Hank this episode is really not that great. 
Okay. I can respect that. It just, I don't know. It's, it, it bothered me today. Like, whereas everybody else was like, so on point. I'm like, what is Hank doing here? He's just flopping his dick around. I don't know. Um, Hey, Johnny, lucky derails dinners and episodes <laughs> and B plots. Because my jump the shark moment came when they're fucking singing in the alley about how Hank is going to fix it. And I saw Lucky standing there and I immediately knew that the good times were over. And instead of a Casio keyboard, Dale Gribble and his track team physique became a fat hippie laying down a blistering James Taylor guitar cover. The night was about to shift into shitty. It definitely it all has to do with Lucky. <laughs> Lucky ruins all episodes. Doesn't he, Mark? You have to agree. Ruins the episodes. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> this is a... Okay, this is just an animation con, really, because I don't blame anybody for this because I don't think they put it in the script this way. I think this is just how it got drawn. Um, Bobby is eating dinner naked at the table. What is he dumping on his steak? It's got to be A1, right? It's, it's just it a says steak, steak sauce. sauce. Yeah, there is no way that Hank allows the sacrilege that is steak sauce into the Hill House. It can be ketchup, it can be horseradish, it can be spicy German mustard to pair nicely mm. with a salad. I don't care, but it should not be barbecue. It, it should not be steak sauce. Yeah. Um, now, this is a con because it is weird. Um, shitting doorless. I remember going to middle school and the middle school <laughs> or the bathroom or the toilets didn't have doors. And like, I was a poopy kid and now I can only shit in my house and I can only blame my middle school without the doors and the stalls. But side to that, I love being at my house and just shitting with my door open. It means that I am literally the master of my domain and I can watch over it and keep it safe while I'm taking a shit at my most vulnerable. It's great. Um, and finally, why does Peggy's caller ID look like that? I know it's a bit. I know it's a joke to make us the hate angry Peggy. Peggy. Yeah, why does it need to be that? It's just like it's okay. okay so we just saw her stupid smiling mug plastered all over uh, Sizemore shit last episode. Yeah. Why is she grumpy in this? Why? What is that? What part of what part of Davy's book said take a picture that makes you look like a fucking bitch? Because I know that it didn't. Why is that in there? Well, it's it, it's punching down on Peggy, and you know me. I am against it. Absolutely. Well, and you have to you have to think about it. Like, Hank and Bobby aren't going to care enough about their phones to change anything in them. So, in theory, she's the one who set that picture herself. Exactly. Ex- and that's exactly my point. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you calling that out because I, it just. Like I said, there are moments in this episode where I feel like they're just super fucking mean to Peggy. And yeah, she is justified to a point, but like that's this it's moments like that that had me questioning whether this is this is somebody just writing Peggy to be a dickhead and just not liking her. Or is she really like is she justified in a lot of this stuff? Yeah, and and that's the problem is like because it is reasonable, but then there is some bits in there too, and I I wonder how much because I'm sure that like they didn't write the joke to, I don't know, I and, and maybe I'm just thinking too much of it because I'm overprotective of Peggy, but right, I don't know, I don't know. Um, any more cons or anything else you want to say? You gave me your cons, right? Yeah. So anything else you want to say? Um, I mean, I got a favorite a favorite moment here, but you actually already kind of mentioned it. Oh, okay. 
It's that Hank wants to use a laser level to get his sideburns completely straight. <laughs> That's fantastic to me. That is that is like one of the most Hank Hill things I think I've ever seen. Um, he's going to use... A, oh, God. Excuse me. I got hiccups. He's going to use a tool that he's got in order to make sure that this is exactly uniform in the Hank Hill, most Hank Hill way. <laughs> um, what about you, bud? Um, it's the ending. We love our endings here. And it's, they go through all this shit and we have the resolution of, no, we are perfect just the way we are. I don't care what background it is. So long as it's the Alps, I think that's a cute little bit. And then what happens? Fucking <laughs> Bobby sneezes and totally just ruins everything. So wrecks it. at the end of it, it just, it doesn't matter because Peggy real, this is a really good ending and it it makes me happy inside. I also like the, you know, without sounding like I'm an asshole about it, I like them fucking with the dualies. You know, like the little plan. Okay. I got a month's allowance, or I got three months' allowance. It's yours. You've got an hour. I love Peggy being shitty to Melinda. And then I love Hank just, hey, how's your boy? And then he realizes and he runs. I do, side con, we didn't get more of Papa Dooley talking. But yeah. I also don't think that this is the same Dooley that we saw in, um, to spank with love, right? It's not. There's no way because his voice is because way different. Isn't it isn't it Melinda Dooley that has the super deep voice? I think so. Cuz yeah. that was a joke you did good. Yeah. I don't know. I, and whatever. And again, we're not doing continuity. No one's talking about it. It's all good. Luann still looks amazing and isn't pregnant. Whatever. All right. Like fine, fuck it. Um, yeah, but the ending is my favorite moment. Just that last scene, totally. Oh, okay. Also, side favorite moment. Sorry, I just thought of it. Um, when Bobby goes, so Bobby, so Bobby's shaking down Ron. He starts crying, yeah. looks through his eyes. We know that Bobby is acting. Again, this is the good use of Bobby. Um, and then he starts actually crying, and then he's telling it to Peggy and Hank. And, like, and then I thought about how important it was to you, and I started crying for real. And I thought that was a really sweet yep. moment. Again, really good Bobby episode. Every everybody kind of earns their moment by the end of it for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, let's rate this bad boy. Yeah. Um, what do you What do you give it? Because I have a feeling you're not going to like my rating. It's all right. I got a feeling you're not going to like mine. This is a Char King. This is a good episode. Um, Hank isn't used well. Fine. Whatever. He can't always... At this point, at this point, you can't have everybody... I, I, I think I'm starting to realize you can't have everybody firing on all cylinders to get a perfect episode. Because really, you have to write around certain characters. And in this case, it's what you already talked about with Peggy. Where is it, you know, intentional? Is it shitty? Is it in character? Is it good use? Yes or no? Well, yeah, it is. But so to do that, there's a couple modifiers you got to hit. And one of them is you got to break up some of the tension with people who aren't naturally funny. That's why Hank gets stupid one-liners like, if you're prepared, you're blah, 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 that kind of shit. But so like okay. that notwithstanding... I would say that this is a really solid episode. It is 100% in context and keeping with the way that Peggy thinks and acts. It's in character with her, but she's also not over the top. Um, it's an excellent use of Bobby. I think I've already beat that horse to death. I'm sorry I'm killing so many horses this week, listeners. We'll try to no, be better next week. It's a Tennessee walker, and it looked at me funny, so I had to do it. But <laughs> it's a good use of everybody. The B-plot is an amazing B-plot, 
Um, it has a resolution. It's resolved by Lucky. I don't like that Lucky is like our, you know, <laughs> curtain call, so to speak, but whatever. Um, and then the ending is really good. It's just across the board. This is a really good episode of King of the Hill on my end. And quite frankly, Christy Stratton, you're, I still like you. You can still hang out with us. I know we kind of give you the lumber every now and then, but this time I'm India. So yeah. yeah, I don't know about Johnny though. Johnny, how do you feel? Uh, so behind closed doors got a megalo from me. <laughs> wow. Okay. Night and deity. Yeah. 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 This, so this is, it's a hard episode to watch. Um, I absolutely, I absolutely hate Peggy in this episode. Um, it's awkward. It's cringy. It doesn't have enough comic relief to kind of balance it out to, to make me like kind of feel better about her situation and all this other stuff. Uh, really, this is a megalo and it's going to stay at a megalo for me for the same reason that I charcoaled Leanne's saga. It's hard for me to watch. Mm. Um, okay. This is, it's a, it's, you know, it's very, it's very personal. That I can understand and and definitely, definitely, uh, uh, definitely see your justification for putting this as a Char King. Um, that's probably a more accurate like portrayal of what this episode is, but it's just, it's just too much for me. I think Peggy is really hard to watch, and and because of that, like I'm not gonna go back to looking at this episode again. If I know that it's okay. just gonna be people shitting on Peggy the whole time. Or that she is written to this point. And if we're going to continue to be in this society of we have to be aware of each other at all points and all time times and like all this shit. No, I'm just I'm probably going to skip it. It's it's just going to bring up a bunch of like weird shit for me. So, yeah. Okay. Megalo for me, bud. Right on. Uh Difference of opinion is what makes this podcast so goddamn compelling. And to that end, I got to ask you, Johnny, do you still like King of the Hill? Mark, uh, I definitely still love King of the Hill. I, I do apologize. It's a first, everybody. In so many episodes of King of the Hill and, and Dangle Podcast, I've never gotten the fucking hiccups halfway through, but here we are. <laughs> so if it sounds real stupid, that's, that's why. God You're choking on your Mark, bile. Oh my god, I'm choking on my own rage here. Um, Mark, what do you think? You still like King of the Hill? God damn. Oh, I love King of the Hill, and I love your little hiccup attack. And because I feel bad for you, I'm going to tell these good people where they can find us. Uh, oh, you, you can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. You can find this podcast at The Dangle Podcast on Twitter or Instagram, or Facebook, or you can find us on Blue Sky if you search Hi Hammock Radio. We're giving that a try. I don't know. Twitter is a sinking ship, and I'm bailing. Um, You can also find me on our sister podcast, the Two Wizards podcast, where me and my buddy Josh stare into the void so you don't have to, or the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast, where me and our buddy Brad, and sometimes Johnny, and sometimes Josh, and I think Josh recently, and I think Johnny this week or next week, when we do the thing, but we fill in gaps in our cinematic knowledge, and we make the other person watch movies that were fundamental to us or, or to, to me but not to the other or something like that whatever it's movies that the other one didn't see and we make the other one watch it but then we discuss the super important topic of when can i show this to my children 
Um, we're in the middle of Halloween spooky season right now, so we're doing Halloween spooky movies. And please, go check us out over there. Go check out Johnny over there, too, because he's been on a couple episodes, and he is hilarious. And Johnny, are they cured enough, or should I tell them to find you at Kraut Ball Stream? That's Kraut as in sauerkraut, balls in Swedish meatball, and stream as in the stream of consciousness that made me plug your Twitter and not your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, guys, you can find me on Instagram at just Krautball. Kraut is in sauerkraut, and ball is in Swedish meatball, and... Mark, you're a very sweet human. Crabball stream is still there, guys. I just don't, ch don't check my Twitter X. <laughs> I missed that bit. I know I said that before, but I really missed the And stream as in me talking about pee. And then I get mad at you and yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, I say we get on out of here and, and spend another day in Arland uh, with these lovely folks next week. What do you say? I think that's a gribble of an idea, buddy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, guys. We love you all, everyone. Have a good night, guys.